Welcome to the Schoolhouse Podcast, where it is jumping. All right, guys, you know the objective of this podcast is to provide a safe place for educators. You know, I personally, in the pandemic, some people say we in, we out, whatever. But what matters is that I witnessed educators leaving the profession, quitting, um, just not wanting to be a part of education. So again, this podcast is to provide a safe place for educators. I just want to reiterate that and to for for mental health. Like I'm just I'm such an advocate uh, for mental health. And I believe that you are not able to give at 100 percent. If your cup is not full, it's only so much that you can hope that this podcast brings you hope, um, joy, and light um, as an educator. So, enough of me talking. This is not about me. We have a special guest on the show today, and we'll go ahead and dive into it. I will allow my guest to introduce himself. If you can just say your name and what is it that you do. So, hey, what's going on, y'all? Um, thank you again for having me. Uh, my name is Sam Brown, and I am the guru of youth development. So I do all things youth development, creating uh, youth development programs, um, engaging with teachers and, and different people in schools to train them on how to engage with youth, especially in this uh, new age, right? So that's what I do. And then also I... Um, I facilitate a year-round program for high schoolers, providing internship experience, um, person development, leadership development, all things youth development. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man, I'm happy to have you here today. And you know, we've been in communication for over Instagram for some time now. And mm -hmm. I saw you was like, you were really doing your thing um, with personal development with like, tailored towards entrepreneurs and, you know, and just personal development overall. You know, I saw that you was very consistent with that and you had your whole t-shirt line, everything going on. But I saw that you made an official post was like 100% for the kids, for the youth. And I was you speak at a university, I too, what you, what you were doing with that. But why the switch to full-time youth development? Yeah, why the switch, pretty much? Why, so why background, I've been in youth development since I was 18. Um, culmination, 10 plus years of in youth development. I've just always, you know, once I started my business, I ventured off and wanted to speak in colleges, universities, because I had a passion for speaking to what I like to call the forgotten age, which... Um, you know, if we have opportunity to talk about that briefly later. But the one thing that um, I wanted to start to lean into this year was like, what am I really good at? What do I really understand? What can I become an expert in? Um, and how can I really like grow as an individual? And it just dawned on me like, yo, you've been you've been an instructor, a program coordinator, facilitator, like for all youth of all ages, like I work with youth as young as uh, eight, as old as 25, right? So for me, the switch was just natural. And as I made that switch, I started to really see kind of like the impact. And that's really big for me overall is anything that I do, I want to create impact, right? Mm -hmm. um, so from there, just started to really dive into youth development, understanding it uh, on a deeper level, utilizing things like the social development strategy and working with young people. And ultimately, like, that's what I do professionally outside of my business. I'm a program manager for a year-round program for youth. Oh, okay, okay. So it kind of just worked out. It, it kind of just worked out. But I, I seen that you mentioned you were someone had made a difference in your life when you were younger. Can you kind of dive into that experience on who that was that may have made an impact to help you become the man that you, you nah, are today? Definitely. So for me, um, 
I just remember growing up, right? Um, background, brief, growing up at a young age, I uh, lost my dad when I was younger, when I was nine. And just kind of going from that to like homelessness, to live with my grandparents, I was very much lost as a, as a young person. And what happened was I got kicked out of my school district um, in eighth grade. Like they told me you can't go to the high school you got to go to school. That's like an hour away. I went to a charter school kind of for all of the youth that were like written off in their school districts. They sent them to this charter school. And then from there, it was like all these adults were writing me off, said like dead or in jail. You're not going to you're not going to do well. But mind you, I was still doing good in school. I was just misunderstood from a behavioral standpoint. And I just remember there was a program and a person. That's what I always like to say. There was a program called the Coastal Youth Initiative at 15 years old, changed the trajectory of my life. They were the first set of adults that didn't push me away at the first sign of behavioral issues or didn't label me at the first sign. And I had a mentor, specifically my first ever mentor, um, James, uh, we called him Silk, uh, but James, he was, he was somebody that was, in his, I want to say he was in his mid twenties at the time when I met him, mm-hmm. and I was able to relate to him. He was a black man. Um, he looked like me. He was able to relate to some of the experiences, and he really took me under his wing. And from there, I want to say the summer after my ninth grade year, things just start changing. Man, my mindset they shifted how I viewed myself, and therefore my actions started to change. I stopped getting in trouble in school. I started to focus on education more. I started to focus on leadership development. I started to focus on community engagement. And my trajectory went from kicked out of a school district to receiving the $20,000 scholarship and going off to school with that, right? And then from there, it just grew. So for me, that's what it was. I always tell people the reason why I do what I do and the reason why I really wanted to lean into this is because I want to provide a program and I want to be that person because there's many young Sam's out there that are lost, that feel like no one understands them. Mm, no, that's real. That's definitely real. I can uh, definitely, definitely relate to some of the um, components of your story that you mentioned. But issues. why was it, I guess, hard for you to behave well in the classroom? Why, why, why were you struggling with that in that area? So for me, it was like looking back on it now that I'm an adult and now that I went through therapy and kind of had to reflect on, you know, different things, right? For me, it was acceptance because again, like losing my dad at an early age, not really being tied and connected to family a lot, honestly being rejected by family. And that's what kind of led to me being homeless for a little bit. It was like, I just wanted to be accepted. And I was naturally funny. And, you know, as a class clown, like everyone loves the class clown. So it's like, once I figured out this is how I can be accepted, because even moving to the town that I moved to and what I consider my hometown, Coatesville, Pennsylvania, I was still not being accepted in school. Like, you know, I was still kind of the outcast because with this small town, like everyone was related, everyone knew each other. So I was just this new kid that just came in, didn't really have friends, didn't really know anything. So how I made friends was making people laugh and doing things like, you know, playing jokes on a substitute teacher and and trying to get the substitute teacher to quit and, and to cry and run out the classroom and do different things. And I was being accepted, but in a different way as a child, like you can't really tell the difference from someone if they really accept you or if they just accept you for that moment. So that's why I really faced a lot of behavioral issues was because people only accepted me when I acted in that, in in that way. Mm, That is really, I really appreciate you sharing that man, because as you were telling your story, it brought me back to some of my own personal experiences, you know, and I can just remember as a kid growing up is that the reason that I started having behavior issues was because I was looking for acceptance and I wanted to 
feel wanted. I wanted to feel desired and mm-hmm. and just color or striving for excellence wasn't accepted. Like you made all A's, like people not like, oh man, you made it, let's go. Like, exactly. like all right, let me cheat on your paper the next day. Or where can I holler at you for the uh question? I mean the answers to the quiz or, or something like that. It was to leverage in that way, but if you wanted to be seen or to be known, just some of the behavior you were talking about, making jokes in class, making people laugh, making jokes at the wrong time, or if you was to get into articulation, and that is what made me feel accepted because being a scholar wasn't praised. And so you you mentioning that kind of brought back some of the behavior experiences and traumatic experiences that I experienced as well as growing up. Uh, definitely, man. And that's what really led to me getting them making a decision. Like I was either like, I had to go to either a charter school or I had to go to, um, it was called Hershey Melton. Um, it's up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It's like all boys boarding school. Mm-hmm. And it was like, they were, it got to a point I had my own seat in the office. It's either I was suspended or I was in school suspension. I spent more time either in suspended or in school suspension than I spent in the class from sixth grade to eighth grade. It was mm. that it was that it was to that point because it was like and and it got to a point where I wasn't even always the person doing something. I might have just laughed, but because people labeled me as like you're always the one that's causing trouble. I got in trouble a lot of times for other people. Yeah. And it's like, as a kid, you can't really say it wasn't me because they're not going to believe you after. It's like the boy who cried wolf, right? Yeah. After getting in trouble so many times and being known as a perpetrator, you're always going to be labeled as the one that did it. So, like, sometimes I even started to see people would do stuff knowing that I would get in trouble. Like, the teacher had their back turned, they'll throw something at the teacher and they'll, they'll look at me. Right. Mm. And it'll be like, yo, like I ain't even do nothing. So yeah. also I have resentment towards adults because it, it got to a point where like y'all weren't even listening to me. So I kind of shut the whole world out mm-hmm. and I said, This who you want me to be, I'm gonna be at times 10. And I I took I took off from there. Like man, no, uh, I appreciate you you sharing that. Um it just man. It just it just brings back a lot of memories about some of the things that you have um, just mentioned, even in that. But now I know that you mentioned one thing that stuck out to you about that youth program is that they didn't turn their back on you, misbehave. What are some of the other things that that program? that that it just attracted you to say okay i want to change i want to i have to switch my mindset my perspective my ideology on how i see education what were some of the other things that that program did for you nah for sure so i'll be completely transparent like when i my grandma was like you're going to this um i was 15 they were paying us for the summer so for me it was like um for me it was like I went to it initially thinking like, I'm going to just make some money. Like I'm just trying to make some money. I don't really care about nothing else they offer. And that's mm. a lot of times. And that's what I even use. I use ways to attract young people that may not initially want to do something, but knowing once they get in the environment, it'll change it for me, the environment, right? It wasn't just like they ripped labels off of me that other adults put on me. Like, no, you're not, you're not this person that you, that you think that you are. Right. And and they had real conversation. It was like the first time like adults like sat down with me and told me like how my behavior affects other people, the program, the future. Instead of just initially just disciplining me and pushing me to the side. But also I met like some dope people, uh, long lasting friends that I've met in there. Right. And once I started to see how other people move. You didn't know, you no longer wanted to be, I no longer wanted to be that guy that was like, everyone's paying attention to the speaker while I'm over here goofing on. And because I didn't want to be that. So it's like, part of it was like acceptance still. Like early on, it was like, I want to be accepted by this new group. When Mm -hmm. in school, people accepted me for being a class clown. Now in this new setting, people are accepting me or accepting individuals for 
being leaders, focusing, staying on task. Now, again, did I have my moments? Yeah, of course. But the one thing I've always been good at is I will work. Like I will do the work. I will execute. So when we were placed at these job sites, they saw that I was great at my job site. I was just a class clown. So it was like, they said, listen, we don't, we don't want to change you. We just want you to be able to know when to turn it on and off. Mm. And that for me, that was a game changer. Because to this day, I'm like, I'll, I'll goof, I'll goof around a lot, right? You mm-hmm. guys, any of my friends, like, that's just who I am, but I know how to now turn it on and off. And I learned that through that program. Like you can be a goofball and a leader at the same time. You just gotta know when to when to play that role. So I think that's those were the other factors that really shifted and changed and changed my perspective on how I kind of approach life. And I mean, and that's that's a real a real honest truth. Like I like their transparency saying that, hey, the money, the money attracted me. I mean, even as um when educators and and when they're looking for um other jobs, some some people don't look at the cu- culture and climate of the school. They're looking at okay, how much are they paying? It's probably one of the top things. So mm-hmm. that idea of money attracting people is talked about enough. It's just kind of like hitting, but not. It was just a random thought. Rent like yeah. I appreciate you sharing not- that. Not because like the one thing that people and this is when it comes to like youth development that like people expect youth to just want to do like these great programs because they're great. Right. It's like or they're good for them. Right. When you're 15 years old, 14 years old, you're not thinking about what's necessarily good for you. You're thinking about what's fun and what can what can that program or that organization or that person do for you? That's honestly what young people are thinking about. So. Why not use something that attracts them? And when they get there, give them the information. It's it's right. like not about the means. It's about the end. It's like, what is that end result that we are trying to accomplish? Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely had a lot of back and forth when it comes to like some of my programs. I give people gift cards for whoever engaged the most by the end of the group. It entices them to engage. Yes. But eventually they're going to want to do it naturally. Right. Um yeah. And, and even like I was a jobs and life skills instructor at a previous um, place of employment. And I was working with kids in juvenile probation. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like they didn't really want to be there. But it was like if they knew they was getting twenty five dollars a session and it can go towards their restoration fees or it could go towards them just having money in their pocket. After like three, four weeks in the program, they I asked them like, yo, y'all still coming for the money? They like, nah, this information is good. I love the group. I'm engaged. The money is just an added wow. bonus. And that's what people don't understand. You, you, sometimes you got to you gotta just get people in the room and then um, impact them. Mm, that's real, man, because honestly, you know, when you are 15, 16 years old, I mean, some people don't care about all that positive um, motivation, inspiration, academic, social-emotional learning, social-emotional learning. And all of these other components of education, some kids don't care about that. Mm-hmm. But if you do them, in my opinion, I don't think it's nothing wrong with that. But once they get the information, then they're like, oh, this is deeper than just getting money. You know, now I need mm-hmm. to learn this information and apply it to my life. And that just the money just got them to the room. But now they get the opportunity to get that information so i mean hey mm-hmm. and like connect that. with the positive adult that they've never been around like right and, and and that's really what it that's the biggest thing right um is 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 like that positive adult connection being able to see somebody that looks like you when i could tell my story like yo most of the students i talk to none of y'all can hold a candle like to my to what i did in middle school none of y'all like Nobody have any of y'all ever been expelled? They'd be like, nah, I'd be like, yeah. Like it's different, but you see where I'm at. So that now they're like, oh, you're not just an adult. You're somebody that I can aspire to be or strive to be or, and connect with. And that's how I've built relationships with young people and mentored young people. Like, man, I got mentees that went from juvenile probation to college graduation. Like I have a mentee right. that started his business, right? Right, just from juvenile probation. It's like he, most people would not have thought 
that that young person will be where he's at today. Right. And it's all because of like, listen, you got to be real with these young people sometimes. Like you got to be able to connect with them and not just regurgitate what's on the slide or what's in the textbook. And I, and again, that's why I'm pushing like we have to not change the psychology behind youth development, but focus on the means of distributing it or, or connecting with young people like the tools or the methods. Like these things have to change and make it, you know, enticing for young people to to want to get involved and and be impacted. Mm, that's real, man. That's that's definitely real. And um, so now I want to talk about your thought process behind your own youth program because I see that you call yourself you the guru, man. And so you're you're helping other people in the juvenile uh, system or uh, school system, I'm not sure, but I do know you're still helping establish youth programs. So kind of walk me through the, the because you kind of explained your purpose, but kind of walk me through the steps that you did to get your youth program off the, off the ground running, and now you're getting contracts for helping young people out. Yeah, no, nah, definitely. So one, when it comes to the, the youth that I work with, right, um, the youth that I work with, the populations that I really work with heavy are, um, you know, I'm a big on, like, I go to school, like, give me the, give me your youth that have the lowest attendance rate, the highest behavioral rate, um, the youth that can't stay in a classroom more than five minutes. Like, those are the young people that I want to help because, I see myself in them, right? And I want and I know that I can connect with them the best. Now, of course, I'm open to working with youth that are on academic honor roll that want to, you know, establish themselves in other areas. But when it comes to my focus, like the steps that I took to create this program was I go through a process of one, I, I had this thing called a youth avatar, right? So I just figure out what type of youth, you know, they have your customer avatar in business. What is your customer? You know, what is their pain points? What are, the, what are their biggest struggles? What are their goals in life? Do they have goals? Do they have dreams? What is it like? So with my youth avatar, I've started to figure out what youth do I really want to impact and work with that I feel like I can help change their trajectory, right? So from there, once I figure out that, now it's time to focus on what are the expert areas that I know I can change their lives in and that can help them in personal development, leadership development, and mindset development. These three factors changed my life. Once I changed my mindset, I started to view my environment different. I started to make different decisions. Once I gained leadership skills, I started to have confidence within myself to show up in any room and and, and, and impact it or, or add to it, right? And then personal development in general, I'm big on you got to constantly work on yourself, work on your communication skills, work on your, um, you know, your teamwork, team building skills, work on, you know, how to conflict, how to do conflict resolution. These things that are natural and that are transferable, no matter if you're at work, school and in real life and your business, no matter what you want to do, you need these. Right. So once I figured out my themes or my focuses, I wrote down every topic I could think of under that umbrella, right? And then I had about 10, 12 topics. I, when I go to schools, I have a pitch deck where I explain, I share my story, which is key. Let them know, like, I'm not just someone that's, that's going to come in and regurgitate information. I can connect with them. And then from there, I start to list all those topics like, hey, this is my themes. These are my overall larger umbrellas. Now here's the topics. And I let this, I let the, the, the school pick them, schools, organizations, um, youth facilities. I let them pick the topics out of my areas where I know I can impact the most. And then because I already had the workshops already developed for each of those topics, I put together what I have now as an eight week program. And then I start off with my keynote I, I, because I, it's important to connect with young people before you actually think that they're going to listen to you. Like mm. they see in me when they hear like I was homeless, when they hear I lost both my parents before the age of 23, 
when they hear that I was kicked out of my school district, but then I got a I got a uh, $20,000 scholarship and I graduated and I had my own business, they see hope now because they see real life hope. That's not just like you can do it. I believe in, you No, I'm a person like if I can do this, there ain't nothing different between me and y'all. And then from there, that's when we start to build. But the key thing for me, man, when it comes to these programs is I make sure, and this is how I really get into schools. I let them know I use a thing called the social development strategy, which is essentially a proven strategy that has been used in youth development for a very, very long time, right? And it's considered, it's made up of five protective factors that ensure that young people become positive adults. So I infuse those protective factors into my programs, like teaching skill sets, giving them opportunities to practice those skills, consistent recognition, showing love, right? Um, you know, and, and these are the things that I also tell them, this is how I also back up how I know this will work. And then from there, we grow, we go at it. And I actually, like I said, I just finished up an eight-week program this past Wednesday for a school. And they're actually looking at renewing that program in March. But then also... I have another program where I teach young people how to take a skill set that they really love and turn it into a business, give them the infrastructure by taking them through various lessons, like building your business plan, developing your business, social media, your website, your logo, marketing strategies, how to connect the customers, these different things, because my research says that young people do not want to get jobs in 2023. Research says that that entrepreneurship is up like a lot with, within young people, right? Um, so they did a study where it was like they took a thousand thousand young people and like over 80% of them entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. So what we have to do now in today's age is still infuse your current curriculum and still infuse what they need to be successful and, and roundabout but infuse it with something that they're interested in. I can teach effective communication, leadership, teamwork, while I'm also helping them build their business by doing activities, by doing things where they got to work together in groups and they got to strategize and we got to reflect them. So everything that I do is surrounded around that. Activities, reflection, discussion, social development strategy, and then boom, it's like now I have a complete program that really makes an impact and a change. Hmm. I I wish I had those cool sounds that people have on the other. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make it sound like that was really dope. That was really dope, man. You just dropped some some game, man. Because um, I'm pretty sure there's some educators that may be out there. Um, because now was popular um in the education community. Now a lot of educators are starting tutoring companies and educators are speaking now that's becoming a really big thing where a lot of um they have a lot of presenters now um it's just a lot of stuff educators are making books you know educators are figuring out on how to create other streams of income for themselves within their profession you know what i mean and i think mm -hmm. you just provided a lot of um information that can be insightful from within your profession you know youth development is a is a great avenue that you can can take down and and you know he sam just kind of walked us through some of the things that he did and you guys can kind of implement down on your own to see how that will work for you so um thank you for breaking that down man but i kind of got to go back man rewind some things kind of educate the people so you talked about avatar um Kind of explain what that is. Like you said, there's a difference between the youth avatar. Break that down. What is, what is an avatar? Yeah, so essentially, uh, and it's something that, you know, I, I coined just because in business, right? When I first started my business, I had to figure out who is my customer because everybody can't be your customer. The right. same thing with young, with youth, right? If you're getting into a space where you want to create a program, 
your program, each program can't serve everybody. It, it can't because when you start to try to serve everybody, it's not as intentional and it's not as direct and focused on the things that that, that young person needs. So what a youth avatar is, is essentially identifying when it comes to this program or this service or what you're trying to do, what youth will be most impacted by this, right? What youth will gain the most insight, gain the most tools, gain the most strategies that they can implement in their life right away? And how can you really like focus your attention and your information on that young person, right? So for me, it's like, when I'm creating my curriculum and I focus on the youth that, you know, that can't stay in class, the youth that don't show up to school, the youth that, you know, are have behavioral issues, I'm now able to develop curriculum that addresses these things. And when I talk about it, when we have discussion, I'm relating it to like how they can start to, you know, stay in school more, like the importance of showing up on time. Like, where it's like, if I'm talking about, hey, y'all, like, we got to talk about timeliness um, and, 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 and conflict resolution. But I'm talking to students that are A-plus students that never get in trouble, that are always on time, that never right. have any behavioral issues. It doesn't make sense, right? right? So for me to talk about conflict resolution to some to youth that never has to deal with, you know, conflict, I'm now kind of limiting myself on being very direct and using specific examples like, yo, when you get into a fight, if a, if a young person never, get, yes, it may be beneficial, but to be honest, like if a young person isn't a confrontational young person, like, how, like what is the chances and the likelihood that they'll get into a fight versus exactly. someone that is always combative every day exactly. and that the slightest, what you looking at, shut up. Right. Boom. And it's like, we're talking about that and I'm having real life activities and scenarios that help combat that. Like, so I'll give you a specific activity that has that, that focused on conflict resolution. It was this um, activity called, are you skitting me? You know, a, a pun off of, are you sh me? Right. So are you skitting me? And this, and the skits that I created were skits to help combat conflict resolution mm. because I had one person be really combative and aggressive. And I had somebody have to handle and manage that. So that mm -hmm. when they're in real life scenarios and someone says something crazy to them, you don't have to react. And real, like this is real. I had a student come in after winter break when we, this program that I just finished, he said, yo, I was like, how'd you winter break? He's like, yo, I got into a fight before winter break. And I was like, oh, man, what happened? He was like, yeah, somebody was talking to me this, that, and the third. They said something crazy out their mouth. I walked away. And yeah. he was like, yeah, I had walked away. I just remember, you know, our conversation. I had walked away. And then he was saying that even though it still ended because a person pursued him and, you know, swung on him. So, like, he did have to defend himself. He didn't get suspended. And he was like, that's the first time I ever got into a fight and I didn't get suspended. I was like, you know why? He was like, nah. I was like, because you walked away. You showed restraint. You showed that at a certain point you were just defending yourself. You like, you didn't even stop, turn around. They hit you, you know, snuck you, and you just had to defend yourself. So, like, you now have justification on what you had to do. It's now mm -hmm. not like, oh, he made me mad. It's mm -hmm. like, no, I'm defending myself. So, like, that wouldn't have worked with if I had a mixture of students in there. It just wouldn't. And I think people have to be okay with focusing on just their own youth avatar. Who do you want to serve? What are their issues? What are their pain points? What are the things that, that they desire the most in life? And how can you feed off of that to encourage them to come to the program, to encourage them to engage? And how can you infuse your personality? Like I'm 28 years old, but at the same time, I still listen to music that they listen to. I still, you know, watch the things that they watch. I, I'm still connected. One, because I work with high school students now. So I'm in middle school students now. So I'm always working, even with my contract that I do in another state for a males group. Um, I'm always focused on my population. And the moment that you focus on that, man, is a moment that you really can create 
a transformative program. Mm, mm. Wow. Wow. That's really good stuff, man. That's really good stuff. So how about like you going about getting your going to the principal? Or are you going to the super your contact person? And how do you like, do you go up to the school? Do you have a newsletter? Like, how are you reaching out to these people? So yeah. it's a mixture, man. A lot of it, um, I will say, and this is the importance that people got to understand that you shouldn't just build a relationship just to build it or to use it one time. Like you have to learn how to cultivate relationships. So my main source and how I really get a lot of my speaking engagements, getting programs into schools is relationships. Is I'm a person mm. that no matter if you're the janitor or the CDO, I'm having, I'm treating you the same. And mm. I'm also following up, cultivating relationships, finding how I can just pour into you for, you know, for free. What can I do to support you? Just because you never know who's going to speak your name in another room. Um, I just got, I just um, had scheduled a call because someone reached out to me. It was like, yo, you had helped me with the speaking engagement and preparation. So I brought your name up to this owner of the or the person that, that created the conference that he has spoke at and they want to set up a meeting and connect. That's just one example of like cultivating relationships. And that means pouring into people genuinely. So for me, it's like, I'm reaching out to, you know, friends, I'm reaching out to uh, friends that may have family members that are, that are in these schools, but then also a mixture is, is presenting myself. Right. Right. Just because you have the relationship doesn't mean, when it's time to step up to the plate, you still got to swing, right? You still got to perform. You still got to do what you got to do. So when I'm reaching out to schools, a lot of it's just like, I'll email, I'll follow up with a phone call. I'll be persistent. Most people, anybody that I've ever gotten an engagement with, anybody that I've ever gotten a program in where I, I spoke at a school, whatever, it's all off of like, yo, they tell me, yo, you're persistent. And I appreciate that about you because people got to understand these principals, these vice principals, these program coordinators, and I'll get into the specifics on who will be good to reach out to. They're busy. They're, they're, they're swamped either with parents calling them, students in their office, trying to facilitate programs, trying to instruct. Like teachers, program, program coordinators, vice principals, they're stressed. They're, they're having to cover classrooms. They're having to do all these different things. So if you think I'm, you could just call once or send an email once and think, oh, like they're just not willing to listen to me. That's not it. They're just mm -hmm. like super busy. So the main people, there's schools now that um, especially like depending on the school, you have program coordinators um, that are in charge of bringing together different programs in the school and vice principals. Principals, they're just, they're just too busy. Um, yeah. Vice principals, they're kind of like your liaison. If you have a connection to the principal, great. But yeah, vice principals, program coordinators, um, even people that run clubs, like reach out to them. Be like, because all you need is that person to plug you, right? I remember I had someone, they were an adjunct professor and they was like, listen, I don't bring people in, but let me connect you to this person. And it took me about six months where, until I really got in front of the person but it's persistence. And once I did, now we got a running relationship. I'm actually about to do a Black History Month uh, workshop next month at, at a university because of it. So it's like, and I consider young people even up until the age of, you know, 25, because scientifically your brain isn't fully developed until 25. So you're still considered a young person, but like, that's how it is, man. It's cultivating relationships, being persistent and being ready like ready, ready, like don't be doing all this. And then you get on that call and you don't got a presentation or you don't got yeah. a slide deck or you don't got some testimonials or you can't really articulate your vision and how you're going to impact the students. Because at the end of the day, I talk about I increase recruitment, engagement and retention. Like because recruitment is hard. Engagement is is hard and keep and keeping kids coming back is hard, whether it's after school programs. Let me help you with your recruitment. So I also do consulting for organizations where 
I help their programs beef up their programs by focusing on recruitment, engagement, and retention. So it's like, you just got to go, man. You got to be persistent. You got to have cultivated relationships. And then when you're re- when it's time to perform, you got to perform like Kobe in his last game. You got to drop 60. Mm-hmm. And that's what I focus on. Every Listen, locked in, man. You give mm-hmm. me opportunity, I'm hitting it out the park every time. Yeah, yeah. Nah, man. Hey, that was uh that was some really good stuff, man. I man, I'm telling you, the the valuable point I, I love what you said is relationships, fostering those relationships, even when you think about things like from, from an entrepreneur standpoint and from an education standpoint, you see how the two they still coexist in terms of relationships because mm-hmm. one thing that I have learned from doing this podcast, I keep hearing that educators, if educators expect for students to perform academically, to behave well, and have these expectations, which is cool, but just imagine your day running pretty smooth because you have fostered relationships where you have created a community where it seems genuine the same thing if you want to start a business in your entrepreneurship endeavors um in education if that's the case foster um co-workers how did you how did you treat your vice principal before you left you know because you can always lean back on those relationships if you was if you fostered those relationships so I, i i think man that I mean, and we can go on the tangent all day about relationships because it's, it's so important. And the key thing, like you said, when you build a culture in your in your classroom or in your workshop or whatever it is, when you build that culture and you foster those relationships and you get to know each and every one of your students, they start to they start to um you know make sure hold each other accountable yo chill out we trying to get yes this, we trying to get this information and i've had it happen it's like yo they like listen you're drawing like we're trying to learn and you're over here doing all this all this yapping you need to be so it's like and even within that it's like that's culture man like but too many too many you know educators and, and teachers and people that get into this space trying to bring programs into schools the one thing that they think about is that that they don't think about is meaningful engagement. It's one thing to engage with someone, like, you know, back and forth, a, co- a dialogue, that's engagement. Meaningful engagement is, I'm not just going back and forth with you, I'm listening to what you say, so I can pick up on things. So it's like, a lot of times they'll be like, if a kid is not behaving, they'll be like, oh, well, you just won't get this lesson. Like, no, it's your job as an educator, it's your job to, to make sure that everybody is included. And if someone doesn't want to be included, figure out why. Figure out if it's something at home. Figure out if they had a bad day. Make them laugh. And then it's like, yo, come on, let me actually give you a role. You're going to be, um, you're going to help, you know, be the leader of this group, or you're going to help pass this out, or you're going to be my timekeeper. And and make them feel valued. Because a lot of times, again, me relating to being young, I did things for attention. It's like I might have did something just for you to see me because I don't get seen at home. I don't get seen in my community. I'm a youth that that everyone just looks over and glosses over. So I'm going to behave in a way where you can't miss me. And then from there, it's like people look at it as like, oh, they're just a bad kid. It's like, nah, they just they just trying to get your attention. And mm-hmm. you need to connect with them on a, in a meaningful way so that they feel valued because they may not see value in themselves. And mm. for me, the moment that someone saw value in me, I was like, wait, so that's what you see when everyone else told me I'm this, but you see that? Mm. Now I started to believe in it. Mm. And now I'm starting to believe in myself. And therefore my actions mm. reflect my belief in myself. Mm. Mm. That's some good stuff, man. That's good stuff. I, I appreciate you sharing that, brother. Um, man, this is a this has been a great podcast, man. Um, you have definitely added a lot of value that educators can take away in terms of if they want to start a youth development program or even some of the things that you talked about, like giving students roles, creating meaningful relationships, showing value, showing that you 
actually you mentioned how that pro stayed consistent with you. They didn't say, well, they're going to write you off as soon as you started, you know, acting out. They stuck in there with you, you know. Mm-hmm. So and I think that's the thing, man, sticking with those students, being there for them, showing that compassion and that love, because it's nothing like feeling valued and feeling seen. Oh, man, their, their performance will turn up because you you value them, you know. So I, mm-hmm. I like educators can um, take a look. Um, but I will have one more question for you. Well, actually, I have two more before we get out of here. All right, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. So what you got your hoodie thing. You got your whole hoodie brain going on and i seen that you you know you rewarded the students for with hoodies you know if they graduated your program kind of talk about your message about about your hoodie what's going on here yeah so dreamers never die and and initially it was like it it was a message um that i had a long time ago it was like i've always like felt as though people give up on their dreams the moment that they're faced with adversity but then as I started to get in the youth space, I started to hear a lot of like, you know, adults and people in these spaces telling these young people that, that, oh, that dream is unrealistic. You need to do something else, right? And in my opinion, outside of like, you know, wanting to be an alien or something, like any dream is possible because people are out, out here doing it. Like even like, you know, Wanted to be a pro athlete, wanted to be an entertainer, wanted to be a YouTuber, wanted to do do these different things where it's like, you know, growing up, it was like, yo, you should be something, be more realistic. They'd be like, try to be a doctor yeah. <laughs> or try to do this or try to be a lawyer or whatever. And I'm saying like, no matter what dream that these young people want to do, nobody should tell them that it's unrealistic because this is what happens when you tell a young person that to stop dreaming or to stop going after the dream. They feel as though any dream that they think of in their head um, in relation to it is, is unachievable. So like when you with dreaming comes ambition, with dreaming comes, you know, uh, resiliency, the, the, the hunger, the drive in life. The moment that you stop dreaming is the moment that you just get on this hamster wheel. So for me, I really wanted to push a message that dreamers never die and that you shouldn't let no matter who don't believe in you, let your dreams die and perish and we need to switch the narrative where it's like yes if you want to go to the nba yes if you want to be an entertainer yes if you want to be an entrepreneur entrepreneur that makes eight nine figures it let's switch the narrative to like hey it's great that you want that dream i'm happy that you want that dream i want to support you but this is what it's going to take let's start to switch the narrative to, to have people start to understand that you got to earn this dream like your dreams don't just come to you. You got to grind it. You got to work at it. And it's going to be hard days, hard nights. So now let's connect you with people that's already living that dream. So with me, it's like if I hear someone, hey, I want to um, be a, uh, I want to make beats. Like I had a young person, they was like, I want to make beats. I want to uh, be the next Metro Boomin. Mm-hmm. Right. I connected them with a DJ and was like, yo, tell him what you did it uh, when you first started. He was like, I made 10 beats a day. Can you do that? Young person was like, 10 beats a day? Now we're having a conversation around like, yo, mm-hmm. this is what it takes. Now I believe in you. Like, if you really want this, let's pour into it, right? Versus like, hey, you shouldn't want to become a, a DJ. Because honestly, in 2023, man, you can make money doing anything. Just about. Like, you could like, just about any, any, like content creation, making flyers, you can make money. Websites, you can make money. Making music, uh, beats, you know. And even if it's like, say like a young person wants to be an athlete, but it's like they don't want to put in a work that an athlete does. Well, do you love basketball? Is that something? Or do you love football? Or do you love lacrosse? Or do you love, you know, volleyball? Whatever it is. Well, what others, what others, you know, dreams that you can have within that industry? You could be a, a, a personal trainer. You can you can be a, a skill development coach. You you can be a coach, right? You can be you know in the medical field, the medical side, because some people just want to be around the atmosphere. They may not always want to 
be in the game, but they might want to be on the sideline, right? So it's like even having those conversations, the biggest thing is not having a negative conversation around a dream that a young person has. So that's what this message is about, is to combat the thoughts that that dreams are unrealistic because any dream that you want in life is realistic. And that let's switch the narrative and the conversation around, all right, what do you have to do to achieve it? And what are some other things that you could do within that field if you don't want to go that route and put in that work? So that's what the uh, brand is about. So I push that in my programs, man. It's something that if you graduate from my program, I'm letting you know that if no one else believes in your dreams, I do. And you, and when you wear this hoodie, you embody the message that you can't let your dreams die, man. It's been so many times I was like ready to give up, but then it's like I think about this dreamers never die. I can't give up because the moment I do, then everyone else I told to keep on dreaming, they're gonna look at me like, yo. So it's like motivation, um, it's accountability. But overall, it's it's embodiment of the message that you cannot let your dreams like die because too many people just grow up and just just live a regular life when you're not regular, you're not average. You're great, but you're kind of selling yourself short. And a lot of times it's from what them adults tell you when you're younger. Yeah, yeah, that's real, man. I I remember, man, I um I like the two things that you said. I remember when I was, um, I think I was um, talking, I don't know if these were some middle school students or if this was elementary, I don't know. This was some time ago. And these are the common dreams that I hear, especially in the NFL, uh, NBA, comedian, you know, and these are, this is what catches young people's eyes because it's what they see. Like I said, especially people that mm-hmm. look like us. I mean, it's televised all over the world. I mean, if you see it long enough, you'll start to believe, hey, I can do it. They look like me. You yes. know, but now and I remember, man, one time he was like, Yeah, I want to make it to the NFL. And one the next question I think I asked him was, Okay, how often do you practice? Because everybody wants to make it to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Man, I, I practice. I practice once. A- yeah, man. I'm like, bro, it's going to take a lot more than that if you're talking about going to the NFL. But also, the thing is, too, like what you mentioned is if the if the NFL or whatever that dream that that young person has, if that doesn't work, if that doesn't work out for them or they're not willing to put in the necessary work, what are some other opportunities within that profession that they can do? So start exposing them to, OK, yes. Mm-hmm. In the interactions behind the scenes that you can you can work with NFL football players, you can coach them, you can train them, you can work on the finance side, you can work on maybe the ownership side of things like there's other avenues and opportunities that young people can have within mm-hmm. that profession if the NFL doesn't work out for them or if they don't want to put in the necessary work to play basketball, football, if they're not motivated enough. And so I think that exposure component is very important because a lot of them don't know. I didn't know until I got older, like, like, oh, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that work for the every millions of people watch you Sunday. So, you know, I think like what you said, too, is like that exposure. Yeah, yeah, that that's that uh, exposure. Yeah. And it's like. Yeah, I just think like, you know, last point is just like. We have to empower like one thing when I when I have when I have children. No matter, I don't care if, like, listen, you want to do this today, you want to do that. It's important for young people to, to try different things and to, and to try something one day and try something else the next day because it's this is a perfect time for them to do that. So I think people need to not, like, kind of shun people away, young people right. away and, and say, yo, don't do this. Because then now it's like, now they don't believe in themselves. Exactly. <laughs> Now they're kind of like, all right, well, what else can I do? What else do I see? And now they're getting into different in the streets and different things like that. And it's like, it's because someone at some point in time told them, like, yeah, you know what? This ain't this ain't for you, yo. Mm. And last, so uh, do you have any um words that educators can walk away from? Like they could practice. Monday, what is it? They'll probably hear this. On a, on a Monday, is there anything that they can um, 
take away from this podcast and practice practically real life time? Yeah, so I would say the one thing that educators, especially in 2023, can practice is listening more to their students, listening more to what they want to do and figure out how to, you know, infuse it to what's already being done. I think a lot of times, and again, not all of them have the autonomy to alter the curriculum, but it's like your delivery method. How can you like understand your population? If your population is is underserved, underrepresented, and you know the different things that they face, then it's like, how can I relate this message to them, right? Um, or even how can I relate this curriculum and, and speak on something specific that they deal with, right? And, and make it more engaging. So I would say like, definitely just listen to and hear when your students talk about the different things that they engage in and figure out how can you kind of uh, bridge that gap. I would say that, man. The second thing, um, social development strategy. If you have educators, if you have not, if, or if you're not exposed to it, I promise you, if you look it up, the five protective factors of the social development strategy is free, is known information. Start to figure out how to do those different things that are the protective factors, like con consistent recognition. Show love at the end of the class. Give people shout outs. Infuse something in the program for you before they leave. You know, high five system. You know, create a handshake for the class. Like whatever. If the, if you know birthdays is coming up, like you know, you might celebrate birth like multiple birthdays. If it's February, all your students' birthdays that are in February have a have a celebration every month for all your students. Find ways to to show love, right? And then the last thing is like, do not just talk to the students. And talking means do not just read the chapters. Do not just tell them to turn to page five and, and read out loud. Do not just read off the slides. Teach, teach. And if they don't understand, it's up to you to figure out how to make them understand. Everybody, teach mm -hmm. them. Like engage with them, make it digestible make it relevant like even math like your math equations related to something that they know about right um so i would i would definitely say like learn how to teach and not talk to your students and mm -hmm. those will be the three things you do that i promise you the dynamics and the culture of your class will change i promise the least engaged will become the most engaged when they feel valued when they feel heard when they feel seen when they feel like the material actually is enjoyable and it makes sense and they understand it. Like I promise you the dynamics will change if you focus on those things. Well, I, I appreciate you, Sam, man. Thank you for coming out to the Schoolhouse podcast and just providing your uh, all this information on a uh, wonderful Saturday. So thank you once again, man. And hopefully uh, we can do a part two in the future. Now, a hundred percent. And educators, if y'all need specifics, I teach, um, on my youtube channel how to how to engage how to connect with youth and engage with youth on a different level i break down the social development strategies on how to implement them i talk about the different things like how to teach and not talk i give tangible things that you can infuse so if you're if you're in need of just more things um you know i'll, I'll share with my my youtube uh is faith and effort samuel brown but I also share with you, man, so that you can add it to like the description uh, on it, on this on this YouTube uh, once you post it. Yeah, I'll definitely put that um, description. I would definitely come to support them. And I'll also put in your social media handles and all the all that good stuff in there as well. No, right. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me on. This was great, great conversation. Um, I just appreciate it, man. I love talking about this stuff, and I'm glad we were able to uh, get this locked in and, and, and get get it rolling. So I, this was great. This is a highlight of my weekend. I'll let you know that right now. Oh, uh, for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> highlight of my weekend. So I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I know we've been trying to do this for a while now.
And I know um, we we finally perfect. we finally did it, and it, and it was perfect it was, timing. It was a perfect yeah. timing, like yeah. I said before we got started. Perfect timing, man. So yeah. I appreciate you, man. And l- listen, anything you need from me, I'm a resource. So you already know. Yeah, for sure, brother. All right, man. Be safe. Yep. You too. Today. Man, it was, oh, man. I don't know if y'all feel it, but I feel it. And the energy was amazing. Um, I interviewed a really, really dope guy, man. Dope brother. Um, Sam is doing some amazing work. Some amazing work with young people. And his youth development program is really um, making a difference and making an impact. And I just hope some of you guys take away some of the valuable um, information that we talked about today. One, um, you can start creating this connect you care, being there, supporting them, related, relatable pedagogy. I just made that up. I'm not sure what the proper term for it is, but we're going to keep rolling. All right. Relatable pedagogy, uh, reality pedagogy, something like that. But make the curriculum make sense. Whatever you, whoever your population is, whatever that the community that you're serving Related to them, they'll be more in tune. They'll be more willing to hear it. They'll be more willing to receive that that you took. You guys took away some valuable um, tools and information, and I will drop his resources in the description. And I hope you guys join another episode with me at the Schoolhouse Podcast because guess what? It is jumping in a mouth.